0: Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge, with your hosts, Daniel Pawinski and Eduardo Manteca. This is the Know Thyself Podcast. Nice. Okay, episode 10. Episode 10. I'm excited. This is very exciting, my man. Yeah, this is this has been great. And, uh, you know, I want to thank all the listeners um, that uh, have been supporting us from the very get-go, and, and welcome to the new listeners who are just about to embark into this uh, new episode on the eighth principle, um, the loss principle. And um, really, this is something that I and Daniel took away from, um, Mark Passio. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lecture that I was new to that I had to sort of become acquainted with and with this topic and the eighth principle, um, this will be encompassing the, um, the generative principle. Um, and, and we're going to take a deep dive into that and what that means as far as a generative principle and uh as always i'll let daniel take it away from here yeah
1: no man um yeah like you said we this was kind of brought to light through us through um through a lecture by Mark Passio, who's also a researcher in esoteric and occult information. Um, so really, just kind of give us a, like a quick little rundown. If you guys want to really want to think about what we've covered, we've really covered all the seven hermetic principles at this point. Now, we're going to kind of touch back into mentalism, but if you guys just want to kind of rehash in your brains and you want to think about it, we've covered the the law of gender, covered the law of cause and effect, we've looked at vibration, we've looked at patterns. So we've really kind of covered um, the seven hermetic principles, which would come up in the Kybalian, which was the first book we were kind of researching. And what we're going to look at today is really the encompassing principle that kind of holds everything together within those hermetic principles. The
0: container, right? The
1: container, yeah. So he does it really great. He kind of describes it almost as a seed. Um, And it's kind of the thing that kind of keeps all that really important information enclosed so it can actually sprout out and actually ma- manifest into the world. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at today. So this is considered the eighth or the last principle. We're kind of, kind of go over why it's considered a loss principle, but what the eighth principle really has to do with um, is it's kind of a unique thing because the first essence of when you're kind of caring about it is, is actually the word care because this is really what it's looking at is really about what you care to pay attention to and spend time on and through that care you're going to be able to generate these principles for the manifestation that we're trying to look for okay so this whole this whole process has been about you know how do we how do we manifest what we really want in this world? And not so much material things, but more spiritual and mental growth is what we've been really kind of looking for. So what this principle really is considered is the generative principle. So we've what we're really almost going to be focusing on today is, um, if you really think about it, we've really kind of done a lot of focusing on the brain. You know, we broke down the brain. We've mm-hmm. always talked about it. There's been a lot of psychology that's been, we've discussed. So today we're really going to be discussing the heart. So the Tin Man and the Wizard of Oz, got to ding in that Wizard of Oz reference, right? And really what we're talking about is generative energy. And if you think about it, your heart is the generator of your blood or your blood force energy. Your heart is the generating force that keeps the whole system going, okay? And this is really, really important because this is going to be Really, what when we were talking about cause and effect, this is kind of what gets causes into motion, is what we kind of pay attention to and what we care to pay attention to. Um, so this is really about that creative essence, and it really is going to, again, kind of encompass everything that we've already spoken about in the past. Um, so this generative energy is also why the Bible, the book of Genesis, is so important. Um, and this is just really what we're talking about is that life force energy. And this is how we pump life. This is almost like the human will, like we spoke about last week, but this is how we pump life into our actions and into our thoughts. Okay. And what you really want to do with that energy, the first thing you want to do is really directing what you care about, because what you care about is going to be generating that energy for what you really want to become. So you actually have to care about learning this information before you will ever get thoughts about this information. If that makes sense. Like we were talking about, you know, we've had a lot of questions coming through on Instagram. i like, how do I raise my thoughts and how do I raise my vibration? Like, how do I raise the thoughts that are coming into my mind? How do I get them from a higher vibration and a higher frequency? Well, you have to care about having better and higher vibration thoughts and higher frequency thoughts first. Right. So that's, what's going to actually generate that energy to make, to collapse those waves. Um, so the heart is really going to be that pumping energy. Um, it can almost be seen as like, like we said, the human will or the ego. And, um, you know, we will have a whole episode on the ego, but the ego is a very unique thing. Um, in Eastern mysticism, the ego is almost seen as a bad thing. Um, when you really get into esoteric uh, mysticism, the Eastern mysticism, though, they kind of really Redefine that. They don't really say the ego is a bad thing. It's how you use your ego because your ego is a tool. But your ego is really just that life force that pumps the whole system going. So your ego is when you're holding your breath. Um, your ego is the reason why you can't like hold your breath and kill yourself, right? Even if somebody's really depressed, they can't commit suicide by just holding their breath. Something will actually stop you and make you breathe if you have the ability to breathe. And that's like almost that ego, right? Um, ego is very important. Ego is also the idea of like, say, if me and you are sharing a meal, ego is the reason why I don't just like pick up my fork and put food into your mouth. Like the ego is just like, no, you need to nourish yourself. Because like, if I had no ego, I would just be like stabbing the strawberry and just like putting it in your mouth, stabbing the cheese and putting it into your mouth. Right. The ego is just like, no, you need to take some of that nourishment and actually like funnel your own generative right. force. So that's kind of something we really want to kind of keep in understanding today um, is kind of what we're really talking about, but how do we use that generative energy for the creation? So what we were talking about last week was, you know, we're, we're trying to take the will and you almost impregnate the subconscious with what you want done. Well, where's that energy from the will coming from? It's coming from this generative care, this generative principle of this energy. And what you care about is what you're going to put your energy to. Right, And that's really important.
0: Right, right, and and it's it's important to distinct and um to make a distinction between care, as in the care we know within compassion and love. You know, mm-hmm. this is like a as as I've listened to the these lectures or understanding like more about what this idea of caring is is what you care to do, which a lot of us don't really care, but what you care to do will generate that um the heart mind and the guts mm-hmm. to get things moving. Right. right. Is that, I mean, that's something that I know we've talked about before, but like um, I know a lot of people opt out of caring because they think, well, what's the point? And that's where you, you will lack in generating anything. Yes. You know, um, but sorry, uh, I didn't want to throw you off. No,
1: no. I, again, that's a, that's a great point because you know, though, again, we've had so much great response from like Instagram and the website and people sending us questions of like, how can I put causal factors into process? How do I get, you know, how do I get from living in the effect to living in the cause or how do I get to generating my hmm. own causes? Um, you have to care to do that, sure. you know? So again, care is like this first step. Now that, like, as we were really like doing the research of this podcast this week, it was just like, oh man, maybe this. This should have been the second episode, and not the tenth episode, because this is really where the first process is looking. So, when you're really um, to kind of like our more experienced occultist um, out there who listen to this podcast, this is a great this is a great reference point when you're talking to a new individual that's new to this subject, or if you are new to this subject, like where do I begin? Uh, first step is just to you know care about growing with your thoughts, care about growing with your feelings and care about growing with your actions into a higher aspect. And you will also start, you'll start actually generating that energy to start pulling that information your way. Um, So again, we need to care about stuff. It's so, it's so interesting that we don't care about stuff. And then kind of think about the stuff you did care about that maybe once you got the result of it, it wasn't so important, you know, like, people that really want a promotion and they end up getting that promotion. And again, you, you want to like, you know, accelerate in your career, but it might not brought the end happiness that you really thought it was going to. That doesn't really matter that the end happiness wasn't what you thought it was. You cared about getting that event to happen in your life. And notice how you generated energy to actually track that into your life. So we do care about things. It's just, am I caring about the correct things? Am I caring about the right things? Um, And that's like that, where that whole process comes into. So again, checking yourself at the door and like, what do I care about? You know, am I caring about selfish things or am I caring about holistic, larger things? You know, there's this whole, whole um, understanding and this whole kind of like process of just really kind of that self analysis of like, what do I care about? And do I need to kind of shift where that energy is coming? Because that, that heart's always pumping. So you're always generating that energy. Um, so are you wasting it or are you using it to its highest aspect? You know? And Narrowed again, if you don't know that, right, maybe that's what you should start caring about. It's like I really this is what I care about doing is you know, how do I further my thoughts? How do I keep climbing
0: that ladder that you never stop climbing? What do you I know? give my attention to to allow for growth?
1: Right. Kind of and assume. you know, and that's a good transition right there. Um, because you really realize, and again, this is something As we've kind of gone through, and that's what's kind of exciting about going through these principles, we really wanted to get like a common language together so we could start going into other ideas, but you just brought up a really good point because we're really going to start evaluating language um, because what you care to pay attention to and what you care to spend time on, this is the true currency, okay? Your time and what you spend time on and what you pay attention to is true currency, okay we have a almost like a facade of currency in our world and this is why they use that information but just think about it you've said this your entire life what i spend time on and what i pay attention to is what i get in life okay it's the same thing as what i spend money on and what i pay for is what i physically get with the monetary system it's no different this the monetary system was based off of this system okay this is why they use these words in the monetary system so what I spend time on and pay attention to is what I get in my currency. Like, even when you break down the word money, okay, like money, if you break it down phonetically, it's mono and it's I, one eye. Money is the same thing as enlightenment. And that's why they kind of gave us that word. But really, what the true money is, what the true currency is, that one eye, that spiritual awakening. And what you pay attention to and what you spend time on. Whether it gets you real wealth, or the fake fiat currency that where everybody's running around to and kind of worship today, right. but that whole word, the whole, the whole economic system, is based off of spiritual principles, and that's something that we have to be aware of. That there's no, there's no coincidences. There's only synchronicities, right? Yep. We've spoken about this. Um, like even just think about the words, like your account of a situation. That's your account. This is my account of my currency, what I'm currently seeing, and this is my account, right? And when you're at your bank, you have an account balance. Well, what is your account balance? What is your perspective of the situation? How much spiritual currency do you actually have? Are you balanced in your spiritual understanding? So all this information, like when you think about time, time is actually the true monetary, really the the true monetary like indicator in the world, and we almost— we chase this false understanding of it, but when we really think about it, it's what we spend time on and pay attention. Now, you can spend time and pay attention on getting money, and that's what will happen, and you'll generate, you know, physical money. But you can also just like skip that process, or you can go a little bit higher and spend time and pay attention on gaining, you know, spiritual understanding and mental understanding. And it could just almost transcend that physical. Yeah, you have to
0: let one rise above the other. And unfortunately, some people have or well, for most of us, we're brought into this monetary system that we're talking about as the superior and the spiritual being the one that sits below as a denominator, and that's something you can assess later on your free time. Well, you're wrong. You should be making that your your main objective on top, because if you really do that, meaning if you take care of your spiritual, or you at least take care of the inner uh workings of of what you should be focusing on to pay attention to you will find out that what you paid attention to and what you spend your time focusing on will actually generate that secondary monetary uh uh wealth on its own and that's what you'll hear a lot of these people talk about when you hear well i started following my dreams or i started doing what i was meant to do meaning they worked with their actual heart and not being afraid of not making, um, you know, not, not being able to make that, that secondary, uh, I'll call it the secondary way of making, you know, uh, money. Um, they'll make that their second priority and the money just follows. So you'll hear people say that. They're like, once I started to really work on what I right. really was meant to do, the money just came. But they don't teach you that. They actually do that invertedly. So you're focused on the wrong one first. And then the other one, which you should be focusing on, which is yourself, becomes a second. And by the time you get to that, you're so tired chasing this other illusion that you're just like, well, I guess I'll work on me later. And it's like, look, you're only here one time. Like, why would you put that as your second priority? It should be the other way around. Right, right. Sorry to make that so long. But that's kind of how I was like trying to. No, that's 100%, man. But um, yeah, anyways. No,
1: it's, it's so true. You know, like um, our true income, right? Right. That's, that's really what we're kind of talking about there. You know, your income is what you take into yourself. You know, that's knowledge. That's um, that's emotional understanding, even like our food and our water, you know, what are we actually taking into our income and what is true income is that spiritual understanding and that monetary success should just be a byproduct to it. You don't want to chase that monetary success because one thing with that monetary success is if you've noticed rich people always are never really that comfortable with their money. They always need to get more money, get more money and they just kind of keep on that rabbit wheel going, you know? And it's just like dangerous, dangerous idea because they just kind of keep on that wheel because they can never have enough of that, you know, where spiritual knowledge and spiritual income is really what we kind of want to focus on. And kind of really generate
0: yeah and like for instance for people who who are thinking about the law of attraction one of the things within that it really will always derive from caring you know what you do and how you care about it um, will generate that which is the law of attraction which will give you what you want you know if, if, if if we can all just think that way we would all have what we really need if we really cared enough but instead it's not the way we're kind of brought into to figuring out how to um, live our experiences right now. You know, it, it's, not, it's not something that we're taught. So, anyways. Um,
1: yeah, no, absolutely, man. So what we care about acts as that driving force of our thoughts and our actions and that generative force is, it's everything, you know. Um, unity consciousness. Unity consciousness, yes, sir. Yeah, and you know that... One thing too is um, just how important this process is, and why it's called the loss principle is because you're right. We we almost lost the idea of what we care about in this world because we are so busy, and we've get so almost diluted with life that we do kind of lose track of really what it is we should be caring about, you know? So this, this whole generative principle is that understanding that, you know, we're generating this energy. We should be using this to the highest kind of good. Um, And we've seen this throughout history. When, um, if anybody's familiar with um, one thing that you kind of want to pay attention to is anybody that's familiar with like Freemasonic symbols. So this is what the G actually stands for in Freemasonry. So, How Freemasonry works is there's different levels that you go through. So when you first join Freemasonry, and this is the majority of what people will get, there's different degrees. So most people will stay between like the first and the fifth degree of Freemasonry. Um, And that's really what you would consider like esoteric Freemasonry. Just like we had exoteric Christianity and esoteric Christianity, it's the same thing with Freemasonry. And what Freemasonry will tell you in the very beginning is this G stands for geometry, Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that it does, it does stand for geometry. And if you ever look at it, there's a square and there's a compass. So like to the initiates ahead, they're like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what that means. So as they go later on in those steps, the, they get undisclosed a little a little bit differently. So when they get to like the ninth and the 10th degree and like, Oh, you know how we said that was geometry. Well, it means geometry, but it actually means God. Okay. So now then these masons are like, Oh, okay. That means God. I know the secret understanding of that. And then as you kind of raise up that, the G stands for Gnosis, which is knowledge in knowledge. Greek, right? Um, this is where we have the Gnostics, which is another esoteric um, Christianity sect. Um, that's a fascinating group that we'll, we'll go into much more detail about. Um, but it's not until you become a 32, second-degree Mason that they actually tell you that that G stands for generation, Genesis, and that's the Lost Principle. So this is actually—we just saved you all, like— Thirty years of having to go through any kind of Freemasonic initiation, uh, <laughs> but this is like one of the big things that they they uncover for you. And um, again, Freemasonry, there's a lot of good that comes from Freemasonry, and there's a lot of negative stuff that comes from Freemasonry. It's just like any other situation. You can have light Freemasons and you can have dark Freemasons. Some people take the Masonic information and they use it um, to manipulate, and some use it to the expansion of consciousness. Um, One of the greatest teachers of all time, Manly P. Hall, was a 33rd degree mason and even higher. So um, again, when we speak about masonry, I know a lot of people in our community see masons as a bad thing. And there is some very terrible things that the Masonic lodges have been doing and have kind of orchestrated. But you do have to understand that there is also a light side of that Masonic thing. And it's just information. What you do with that tool of that information really depends on... You know, like we talked about with the hammer. You can use the hammer to hang a picture, or you can use a hammer to hit, your, uh, hit somebody. That action kind of comes down to you. So what you do with this knowledge, again, is like all occult knowledge. So what Freemasonry is, is just really a school that kind of teaches this knowledge. Uh, but that's what it is. And the 32nd principle, it means um, generation. It's genesis. It's this last principle. And they say that, like, this is a force that is going through you there's no stopping this force or your life ceased to exist so it's happening whether you like it or not what are you doing with that energy and that's again with like all these occult principles right um, but you know really if a um, great subject for people to really um, look into too is you know free Masonic initiation you know like why is it 32 degrees? Well, 32 degrees, the reason why it's 32 degrees, because after 32 degrees, like the 33rd degree and the 34th degree, that's when ice melts. So that's actually in the process of the Freemason, that's when the ice would melt around your heart. Um, So there's all this symbolism that kind of goes into it. um, And there's so many big figures in history that were Freemasons. I mean, even if you look at the, the founding of this country, a lot of those individuals were Freemasons and they had Freemasonic ideals. And again, where you kind of stand with that is um, you can kind of have your own perspective on that situation. But again, we, if I know thyself, we kind of really see that there's definitely dark Masons, but there's also light Masons. So there's a lot of great information that comes from that organization. But um, I mean, for them to make that their final teaching of what that G represents in Freemasonry. And if, and if you're not aware of it, just look up the, uh, the square compass Freemason logo and you'll see that G it's a capital G. Um, but again, that's the last, the last, um, because I guess after you get past the 32nd degree, you're kind of like a, it's like almost like secret initiation, but that's like the last, one of the last teachings of the 32 degree Masons is that G separates Genesis. And, you know, people could spend their whole lifetimes and not become a 32 degree Mason. So for you to get that information and for you to understand how important this information is, and that this information is very much a lost principle. So it's something you really, really want to start thinking about. How do I kind of implement this into my life? Um, because this is one of those occult secrets, almost like the eight pointed star, that um, that information is just not really spread out as much. So we were very lucky to have Mark Passier break that down. Um, but, you know, I read the Kybalian a long time ago, and I've studied the seven hermetic principles, and I never really came across this lost principle. That's really like, again, that's the seed that encompasses everything in it. Um, but once I did, it really opened up the idea of how, what's the energy that actually pushes everything to kind of move? And the, what's that pumping the life force in these natural laws? And it's this generative principle.
0: No, that's, that's – and then I'm really glad we got to talk about it because, as you said, this should have been probably our, our second episode because just reading into it, you know, the heart generates, you know, and, and to learn from like even from the Torah and the first book. The first book is the book of Genesis, you know, talking about, you know, Adam and Eve and, and, and in Hebrew, you know, Adam – meaning humanity and eve meaning life like it starts right there from the beginning you know from the very beginning it's it, the how it, the what's being generated is being discussed right away and so i think it's interesting that in the seven principles that we've discussed this one happens to be the lost one i don't know i just found that very
1: yeah well i mean the whole like study of esoteric and occult knowledge, you kind of feel like you're Indiana Jones, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of, like, uncovering this information, Um, you know, and even though he might have been very arrogant sometimes in the movies, it was kind of like, you do kind of feel like you're on this this journey and this adventure, you know, and you kind of find these relics, which is this information, and they're so much more important than the relics that he finds in these caves, because these are actually – Real, insightful, important stuff. It's not just like a statue, a golden exactly. statue, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's. Uh, it is exciting when you kind of come across something like this, especially because, you know, somebody explained it to me really well once. When it comes to this occult information, it's not really like you're learning it again. It's not so much you're learning it for the first time. It's almost you're putting words to something you've already experienced or you already felt. And now I think there's a range of people um, that are more intuitive than this and less intuitive. Like myself, I'm much more of an analytical left brain individual. It was, it took understanding spirituality to kind of open up the right side of my brain, but I'm very analytical. Um, so I kind of have to read about this stuff and then I can see it. Um, so for me, it's sometimes it feels like I'm really learning about it, but really when you're telling some people this, they can almost like finish your sentences. And then you're like, oh, like, do you know about this? And then they're like, look at you. And they're like, no. <laughs> But they just know it. like yeah. I mean, I think that's why I've always enjoyed speaking about this stuff with you. Like I would, you know, we've had several times we were lucky enough to be like roommates and I'd be in my room like reading all day. And then I'd come out and i am be like, Eddie, you have to hear about this. And then like three minutes into me telling it, we're having a full conversation about the subject. And I'm like, well, did, did you spend all day reading the book? And you're like, no, I didn't. But you just had this more intuitive understanding about it, um, which is amazing. But again, that's... That's what makes this information where you can almost validate it so quickly because it does. It has just like this from your from your head to your toes, you have this feeling of truth that kind of comes up when you hear about this information, um, which makes it very, very unique. So it's it's not something you like have to really like – some of the information you kind of have to digest because it can be a little bit complex. But when you start really learning about these principles, like when we started talking about cause and effect and you start talking about polarity – People pick up on this information very quickly. People right. can pick up esoteric topics um, if they're again, if they're open minded to it. If they're if they're very closed minded, they kind of have their own barriers, and that's that's kind of something you're fighting against. But an open minded individual into spiritual sciences, you start explaining to them the Hermetic principles, and there they can just they almost download it like right there, where they're picking up not just information you're saying, but they're almost just picking up information from the ether almost because this is it's you're not really being taught this information you're relearning this information it's it's almost like encoded in your dna from the whole human experience and really you're just kind of like again rediscovering something that you know we don't know if we have past lives or not but it's almost like a rediscovery of past information you know and that's kind of again what makes it so exciting to learn about and it's also kind of what makes it a lifelong study you know because it's it it, in itself it's generative like when you learn about this stuff you just kind of want to learn more about it you know there's there's um times when like i was learning like a new subject in like math or something and i'd have to like take a break from that subject like i'm I'm learning this knowledge and stuff but it didn't give me like generative energy to like keep going right i'm like oh this is fascinating like that numbers work this way and we figured out that numbers work this way but like I never had that energy or that urge to do it with like occult information like it's just like I sometimes just have to like put a book down or I have to be like okay I have to stop reading like I I need to go to bed like I got to go, I got to go to my normal 9 to 5 tomorrow you know like I've already overdid this but it's that generative energy even behind this information that kind of pushes it and kind of keeps right. it going yeah
0: No and like what's really important to make um to talk about this principle and and as an experience is you cared about This, you know, like that's the the main force that generated you to do the studying is that you cared enough to say, well, if I know I feel, and I think I like how you put this. You said it's encoded in us. It's almost like it's in our DNA, Um, and I think it is. That if it is encoded, then I must go out and seek what others might have already put down before me in order to understand what it is I'm feeling. And you cared enough to do that, which in in turn in this more personal experience it helped me out a lot because i felt this from the time i was a child you know i was raised catholic and and for the first part of my life i lived in mexico and there was a there was a lot that went on that you know didn't didn't it didn't sit well with me in catholic school like some of the people could relate to but i i didn't ignore it either like i i wasn't choosing to ignore some of these these you know i guess in like in the sense of like principles go, but these morals that were being taught, I'm like, okay, I agree with these things. So I cared always enough to learn more about it, not necessarily dismiss it, you know? And, and I think that's actually something else we didn't talk about, which, which, which was um, the opposite of, of in the, in the case of caring for something is, is being ignorant and ignoring um, something won't make it go away. It'll only just fuel it more to To think that to pay attention to something that isn't um, worthy of your time is just going to go away is is not how it works. Ignoring is what what's going to make it, um, you know, manifest in, into something more mm-hmm. than than what it is. And so, back to you know, you discussing about when you study these things and when you cared enough to like want to express or talk or discuss discuss this with myself or anybody else. I think the greatest thing that you've done, uh, even with your students is that you cared enough to explain it and you cared enough to, to discuss it with people who didn't know without having to, you know, um, I don't know, I guess just feel like, is this for nothing? I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm making my point clear here, but I just think that, um, for me, at least what you just said about it being encoded into us is is key that to to wanting to learn and never be done with those lessons and I think that's where I kind of became very detached from the idea of um in the case of Catholicism, I became very detached because most of those who were teaching these lessons rather than just admitting that they knew nothing but they were hungry for or had an appetite to learn more about it. Or declaring that they already knew everything, mm-hmm. and that's as a child, I remember thinking, like, but how can you know that? Like, even this, are you not hearing the words that the man that you're talking about right now is saying that you'll never be done knowing these or, or with these lessons? But you're right mm-hmm. now declaring it right now in my second grade class, like, I know everything, and what you know is wrong. And mm-hmm. it's like, isn't this hypocritical right here? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that sadly, I think, pushes a lot of people away from like wanting to learn more about. Some of these principles that fall within the realm of truth, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, I don't know I don't know if you can if well, you can elaborate on that.
1: So. Yeah, no, I mean if you think about it, like um, what we care about is what we're going to generate in our lives. There's we're taught not to care about truth. Like I I don't think anybody in elementary school, middle school, or high school even spoke to me about the idea of truth. That's 12 years of education that I went through. I didn't learn anything about truth. I didn't learn anything about morals. I didn't learn anything about ethics. Okay. When I think about what I did learn is I learned about this packaged idea of what they told me science was, about this packaged idea of what they told me social studies and history was. Everything was put into its package. But there was no higher understanding. Again, and now I went to public schools, um, but— we didn't even approach that idea of truth. That should have been the first thing that we went over, you know, in kindergarten. And I should have went over it again in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Should have been the first day of every class. Was this is truth? This is what morals are. This is what your character is. This right. is what you need to develop. None of that stuff was given to us, right? So we didn't care about that information. What did we care about? I got to learn math, or I have to learn science to get to a university and I'm going to get trained. I'm going to get tested on both math and science to go into college. And that's what I need to focus on. So that's what I care about. So these are the opportunities and this is the stuff that my life is actually going to generate for me. Um, And so we didn't, we weren't even caring about the correct things. You know what I mean? so it's just so interesting. Um, And from that, you know, I, I came up from a family that wasn't very, Religious, now again, they were very, I would say they had morals, but we didn't have any kind of, you know, higher ideal morals. And then in the society I lived in, it really didn't push it. So, you know, all the way up until I was 24 years old, I didn't believe in anything beyond the five senses. You know, I had like a whole spiritual awakening um, after a tragic event that happened in my life. If it wasn't for that tragic event, I don't think I would have had that spiritual awakening. So I had no care about anything above the five senses. I thought that that was all just hocus pocus. I was like, "There's not an old man in the clouds that looks down on me." You know, I didn't. I didn't go any deeper into it. I just cared about creating my own conclusions about the situation. I'd be like, "Oh well, look how corrupt churches are." Like, right. why would I follow what they believe in? And then you learn about spirituality, and you're like, "Oh, I don't." Spirituality has nothing to do with any of the organized religion, you know what I mean? Unless you get down to the actual esoteric core of what started that religion, but the stuff that they're actually presenting now, esoterically, there's really not a lot of connections with those, right? So, you know, when you think about your own process of like what I cared about and what was important to me, this principle makes itself so apparent because what did I care about back then it was exactly what was kind of getting generated in my life, and again, I had to kind of go through those processes. But we had no understanding of a higher care, of truth, right. of freedom, of prosperity. Again, now the word freedom gets dropped up as you know, living in a uh, in an American public school, but nobody defines what freedom is. You know, if anything, they define freedom with liberty, and then you're like, well, what's liberty? And they're like, oh, that's freedom. And you can't use one word just to define another word and then just use that same word to define the other word. You know, there was no higher understanding of it. You know, freedom was supporting the troops because we're at a war, you know, and it was just like, well, why are we in this war? And they're like, well, are you anti-American? You know, is that what you care about? You care about being anti-American? You're like, well, no, obviously not. I don't want to do that, you know? And so you get like, again, compartmentalized into these situations where they almost create what you should care for. Okay, and we were talking about this offline. This is what the darker cultists would call the cremation of care. This is a darker cult ritual that they do. And what it's doing is it's literally cremating your care so they can reconstruct it in what they want it to be. Right. And again, with everything we're seeing that happens in this world, um, this is a very harmful thing. Like We want to... Like, what do you teach the children? Well, you teach them to care about the right things. You teach them to care about freedom. You teach them to care about love. And you teach them to care about truth. Everything else will fall in line if those kids can understand those principles. Absolutely. And, you know, there's all this fighting, especially in this country, because we have such a terrible education system. That's because none of these principles are even introduced. You know, and even as a teacher, as because I've been a public school teacher, you get looked at Like, you're a crazy person if you even speak about any of this stuff in the staff meetings. Like, the teachers that we get, and no offense, the the okay teachers out there, America doesn't really want good teachers. Like, there is good teachers out there, and I don't want to offend anybody who is a really good teacher. But for the majority, we almost have made it a assembly line in this country not to put out our best work. We pay that, it's a really low paying job. What we really want is like almost authority people who will tell you that they are right and you're wrong. And the state asks them to jump, and that authority figures like, how high and how high do my students have to jump? And that's exactly what the system wants. Again, what are they doing? They're cremating the care. They're trying to take that care out of us. Because look at a child, children care about a lot of things, and it's not as selfish as what we're told they care about. Like, you really start talking about like a kid. Like, if a kid's very materialistic, you have to kind of look at the experiences they've been through. But when you really like talk to children, they care about like you being happy, them being happy. You know, they have a, a they may not have the words for what love is and what truth is. But you ever like tell a kid that like you lie to a kid, like, oh, we're going to go to the, we're going to go play mini golf after this. And then you don't go play mini golf. The kid has a breakdown. And it's not because, One, yeah, the kid wanted to play mini-golf or go to the arcade. But really, the kid is like, you went back on your word. Like, why would you do that? Like, that was your word. You went back on your word. And you're like, oh, well, just get used to it. Because in our society, everybody kind of goes back on their word. And that's terrifying to a kid. A kid's like, what? (laughs) Like, like, why speak if you're not going to speak the truth? You know, a kid will call you out on that very quickly. But as we get... um. I guess I really want to say, um, as we kind of go through this whole assembly line process, we devalue the word, we devalue truth, you know, that's why it's so amazing when you have a friend that stays to their word. Like, yeah, I'm more aware of like my friends that stay to their words than my friends that individuals that don't stay to their word. Like those individuals that will call you and just be like, Hey, I can't hang out today, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just tired rather than, or I just can't do it today. And they, like, literally told you the truth why they want to do it. Like, I'm just not feeling like hanging out. I don't want to go. Rather than the person that calls is like, oh, hey, yeah, you know what? I, uh, I I was giving my dog a bath, and then he got out, and then I'm chasing him around the neighborhood, and then you find out that the guy doesn't even have a dog. And you're like, why did you lie to me? Why didn't yeah. you just tell me the truth? Yeah. But again, we don't live in a society... Like, I mean, look at our media. The media is a whole game of lies. Even Hollywood is, like, a whole game of lies. Like, CG, like... It's a big lie. It's a visual lie. Holographics that they like put up on the screens—they're facades.
0: It's a lie. You know what I mean? Um, That's very good what you're saying about truth. Uh, what you just said about uh, in regards to children—what you just said—is is, is absolutely like, oh my gosh! I mean, I one one story that I know I have when everything changed for me spiritually speaking is growing up when I was a kid. I was very fortunate to have. Uh, a very close relationship with my grandparents. And they were at an age where all they wanted to do is serve. And what I mean by service, my, my grandfather would do Bible studies and we would go into the poor neighborhoods in Mexico and I would accompany him and, and, and um, there's, a, there's a lot to those experiences that I had with him. But what I was learning along the way is he never broke my innocence or never derailed me from what we still right now call onto truth. Because he's saying, well, this is what I've learned based on these passages, and this is what I'm going to practice. So I was watching it happen in real time, the walk, right? You talk to talk, you walk the walk. And when I got to um, Catholic school in in Mexico, there was this teacher that had a a brilliant way of of teaching Bible study. And I remember none of it felt pushed on to me, right? Most of the principles that that they were bringing up or the things that we were discussing— in second grade, or third grade, I think it was, um, in regards to the Bible, just made sense because, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about very macro topics that really have to do with the heart and what's right and what's wrong. So, so far, so good. And we had a lot of periods in Mexico. Um, I went to a bilingual school, so sometimes I had the same class taught in English and then one taught in Spanish. And in this case, we had a biology teacher. She was just brilliant. She was. She was also the principal of the school, and she had um, all kinds of degrees, you know. But uh, anyway, she comes in and she does a very powerful job of explaining biology in the sense of evolution. Nothing crazy, nothing to a, to a point where a, a child can understand it, but just an idea. And with that innocence and that lesson, the next time we had. Bible study with that teacher that I held up to such high regards. Again, remember, she has me right now because I'm walking in truth with her. You know, the things that she's teaching me, she's not proclaiming or she's not saying, Hey, I'm the one who knows this to be true. She's just saying, This is what they're trying to tell you. This is an interpretation. So take it for what it is. And we're all very happy children understanding what Jesus did, right? Mm-hmm. And then one child in the class, I remember, raised his hand. And say, "Well, we just learned this thing about um, evolution in biology. I've never seen someone that looked almost angelic. I mean, she, the way she perfumed herself, this this teacher, the way she 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 wore her high heels and the dresses that she wore. All of it was part of this character of of being this, you know, super angelical. Uh, bio- or, I'm sorry, religion teacher. She turned so evil." She got so mad at the student raising the hand that she just started yelling. I've never heard a tone like this. Now, she could have been saying a lot of things. And at this time, I can't really remember exactly what she said. But what I do remember, she crushed my heart because hypocritically speaking, what she was doing is everything that I thought she would never do. So she was undoing all the work. You know, she thought by preaching or telling us these things about the Bible, we would really take it in but what we were really taking in was the ah in so many ways this this warm feeling of what the bible was in in that time when we were kids what what the lessons were and she took them all away from her own self from being so insecure and angry that a point of view like in science came to be and i just remember it didn't matter um if she was right or wrong, where she was wrong is how quickly she turned. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where she just had a lot of children, including myself kind of go, wait a minute. Like, do I even want to be associated with a religion that gets this angry? Once something like evolution comes into play, is that that threatening to just Mm -hmm. have an idea that's from, from another teacher? Really? We're not even saying like, we're a hundred percent on that person's point of view, but the way she turned just completely, took me away the way you're talking about the mini golf. It's like you, you promise these things, you preach these things, but then when you took them away from me, I felt so disenchanted that now I won't even really understand what you're really trying to say anymore.
1: Right. Right. You yeah. Mean, and the, it was almost like that polarization, yep. you know? Um, yeah. I think that's a, a great way to put it and how almost you can, from that little turn up, you almost had this, everything that she taught you that was good. It now almost has this like tainted look to it Cause you're just yes. like, well, Interesting. You know, why did you ex- respond that way? Um, and, you know, again, that's that's the whole idea. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because this is something I would love to really kind of work on into future, future podcast. But that whole idea of like science and religion being a polar opposite of each other really is the reason why we're also learning the subjects we're learning because you really when you start understanding this, science and religion actually meets in the middle. And that's really what we're talking about with like occult sciences. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I think both of those both of those camps get really angry at each other because there's no unifying middle ground in between them. And they both just look at the other ones like you're completely wrong. The scientists look at the religious and they're like, you're completely wrong. And when you're really in the middle you're like actually from this perspective, you're kind of both pulled away. You're kind of both wrong in this situation. Um, But yeah, just that whole idea of what polarity can do and the, how it just, like you said, it just like tainted your whole picture of this person. And you put into question everything that you thought about this individual leading up to that point. Right. And it's
0: now going to make me not want to, back to the, to make a full circle here. But in this principle that we discussed uh, in regards to generating something, I wasn't able to generate anything out of it because now I was like confused. You know, yeah. I just was okay. Well, I was on the same page with you because of these moral codes that we were talking about, these principles that would allow me to be a better person and to to see other people as brothers and sisters and to really like not ignore injustice and understand it all. That all went out the door when you know, her vibration changed mm-hmm. because something threatening, like re- our science came into into, into play. So it, it, it took me away from that, um, from creating something better for myself. Right. So, right. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so interesting when we kind of reflect back on, you know, our education and just how formative you are in those years, you know, and how important that is. And, why we should be putting so much more focus for that in all, the whole world society? You know, um, it's it's terrible when you know in America we'll pat ourselves on the back because we'll go to like a third world country and like oh we built all those schools. It's like oh so we can give them the same shit education we have here. Like they were probably better. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm great. You guys built a actual safe infrastructure for them, but like are you just teaching them to the test too? Cause like that sucks, (laughs) you know? So like, it's just so funny how, like, again, like what you care about, like, do you really care about educating the world? Or do you care about, you know, pushing the influence of your textbook company or pushing the influence of your country? You know, like what are, what are we actually caring about as a whole society, as a world society? You know, what is we care about as a country? All that stuff is connected and all that generative force is connective. So really, we need to be very aware of not only what we're, we are personally generating, but also what our culture and our society is generating, you know? And again, how do we change that? Well, we change that with ourselves first and we start generating, you know, higher understanding, higher love, um, but just not, not um, counting out the heart you know, if we can really conclude this to kind of tie everything back with generative energy, um really the, the heart is so much more powerful than just even pumping the blood. You know, it is creating when people, um I know it's a big thing is to like get like a picture of your aura. People talk about your aura, well, what's generating your aura that's coming from that heart energy. Okay. So just being aware of that. There's a, there's a really good documentary that was actually done as a mainstream documentary, um, and it's called Finding Joe. And um, it's a great um, it's a great reference for not only um, like the hero's journey, which we'll get into from Joseph Campbell, but it talks about the actual intelligence of the heart and how the heart is so much more important than we even give it. I mean, again, we give it so much credit physically in like a biological sense, but really in that like spiritual sense, um, that we were kind of talking about today of how it's the generation of your thoughts, you know, it's the generation of your emotions and it's going to give you the will to do the action that you're actually pulling from, from those higher thoughts and those higher, higher feelings. So, um, again, you know, this is also why you protect your heart and you, kind of move forward to, you know, what do I care about? Really kind of evaluating in a good exercise is just write it out on paper. You know, that's a great exercise when people really try to say like, how do you kind of do like a spiritual process? Writing is a great process to do that. You know, write down what you care about, write out a list and see if there's anything you can cross out on that list of like, do I really need to care about this? Like, is this actually that important for the development of my character or the further understanding of my spiritual self, you could probably start crossing out a couple of those things. And if you think about it, if your generative energy is split between seven things to four things, think about how much more energy you're putting to those four things. And then maybe later on you could actually be like, you start looking at causal factors and you're like, actually I could break that four down to two. Or maybe I can even break that two down to a one. And if you think about you putting that whole generative force behind something, now you're going to be like a locomotive, you're one direction of getting that system done rather than getting pulled into so many directions, which is so, so easy for us to do in our society with cell phones, You know, the 45-hour week that we have to work. It's so easy to get pulled into so many directions. So again, focusing the brain is so important, but also focusing that heart and making sure that you are working in unison with yourself and become that locomotion for the change of yourself and of your society.
0: No, well said. Well said. That's a great way of, of, of sort of encompassing it all and re- realizing that if it's all under one foundation, which is the heart, you can do multiple things. I mean, most people that you'll talk to who are extremely happy and they do not just one thing, but a lot of things, they're all doing it under the umbrella of that, which is either the heart or how much they care. Right. So you can categorize them by their trait of whatever they do. Um but they'll tell you, and I can tell you this firsthand, all the things that I do in my life personally all fall and always have fall within just doing things for the, the, the good of mankind. So whether that's like whether playing music or, or making videos or, you know, working in healthcare, it all still kind of falls under the same umbrella of what I like to live my life by. And that's why um, a lot of the time I don't doubt what I'm doing or getting myself involved in because I checked in with the heart first before doing the task, you Mm -hmm. know, not doing the task first. And, um, and that just kind of makes for a great life. So yeah, if that's something that you can, you can do, I can really, you know, what Daniel says about writing it down. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll definitely help in in all aspects of life. So no, well said, man.
1: Hey, always good. Always
0: good to chat with you, my friend. So, um, yeah, 10th episode, uh, we are now on, uh, we're now on Apple.
1: Yeah, we made it to Apple.
0: It's so big, big news. We figured out. We don't have uh, yeah. Spotify or, or any of the other platforms we're on. We're now on Apple. So, uh, for all you new listeners, welcome. And, and once again, for all the ones who have been listening, thank you. And um, so much thanks.
1: Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, I guess this is about the time we say
0: until next time. Until next time.